Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Calling us from Northeast Florida, we have Tina Jekyll on the phone. Tina, thanks so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time coming. Just so you know, we have wanted to get Tina on the show for about, I'd say, three months and 27 days and a couple hours. It's been working on this thing for quite a while. (laughs) Very busy person. And what you'll find out more about why she's so busy in just a few moments. So I'm glad we finally got to make this happen. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And you bring an interesting perspective because most of our guests on the Law Enforcement Today show have been either active or retired law enforcement officers or spouses. And you are not a law enforcement officer. Am I correct? That is correct. I am not a law enforcement officer, you nor come, have I ever served in the military. You, you come from the, the academia world. Well, primarily uh, some academia, but mostly I've been a clinical social worker for about 25 years for mental health, actually. Gotcha. Uh, I I say that because I think it's a compliment. Uh, The professors in academia tend to get a a rap, a stereotype that they're all anti-police. And uh, coming from the field that you've been in for so long, that's not the case. You're, You're the exact opposite. That is correct, and I and I grew up in a conservative uh, family, and area, and was taught very clearly by my parents to respect and honor our first responders. So I think they, I carried that value with me throughout my professional career as well. And it shows from what I see you doing on Facebook, what I see you doing on social media, uh, and we'll get into some details of that. First, you've got uh, something really cool going on that involves retreats and cabins, and tell us about that. Absolutely. Uh, About uh, two years ago, in October 2016, I actually purchased a cabin just outside of Blue Ridge, Georgia, in an area called Cherry Log. 
And I did that because I had always wanted, I always had the goal to purchase a cabin for, for my own mental health. And as you are aware from your work that you do with Cops and Cabins, that is a beautiful area that lends itself to relaxation and just mental repair time. It is a beautiful uh, part of the country. And it's it just, it's serene and it's a great way to get, I, I call it getting your head right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I did that in October 2016 and, and enjoyed it tremendously. Um, in the meantime, my mother uh, was struggling with health issues. She had been struggling with these for some time. And one of the reasons I went ahead and purchased the cabin was my hope that she was able to join me, her, her and my father, join me with some time up there. Uh, I grew up every, almost every summer in uh, South Carolina. We had My grandfather had a cabin up there uh, not too far in Pickens County, East Satoe Falls area. And it was just wonderful memories. So I wanted to give back to my parents and allow them to come. Unfortunately, my mother's health deteriorated too quickly, and she was not able to make it. I did lose her. She passed in February of this year. And, of course, any time we lose a parent, it makes us take stock of where we are in our lives. Yeah, and does. where we, and, you know, we're kind of refining the mission of where I'm going and what I can do to give back. Then in June of this year... Of 2018, I, I had a neighbor across the street reach out to me, and his mother and father, elderly mother and father, had uh, actually been struggling a bit, staying on the side of side of that mountain because that particular cabin actually faces long range views of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Beautiful place, much smaller place, and he actually called and said, "Are you interested in purchasing this cabin?" Of course, my first. Re- first response was, what am I going to do with two of them? And then I thought about it, I prayed about it, and he said, listen, I'll give you a great deal because I would, I'd love for you to have it. And we worked out the details. And so I acquired the second cabin uh, in June. And again, I, I didn't have any idea. Initially, I thought, wow, I think I'll just rent them, you know, make it some type of rental properties and perhaps make some income. Well, I then put something on uh, Facebook and just asked in general. I have probably have about 4,000 people on the Facebook page that have, have provided some wonderful feedback to me in terms of what is needed in the first responder field. And I put it out there, and I said, what would you do? And, and actually, a wife of a police officer uh, here in the Jacksonville area just simply posted that would be a that would be a wonderful place for a retreat to heal, mm-hmm. and that's all she put. And of course, I took that as a sign, and I said, "There it is." And she and her husband have been through some challenges this year because he was injured in the line of duty. And um, you know, so from there, I actually decided to create. I asked them in for some input on some names, and I actually decided to create a trauma retreat, uh, trauma retreat for first responders, and I've named it Blue Ridge Heroes Haven. That's such a great idea. You know, and we did Cops and Cabins the first time a little over a year ago, and the premise of it was, and I know you're familiar with it, for those who aren't, we had a bunch of active, retired police, guys like me, physically disabled officers, and it was to get away to Blue Ridge, Georgia, in a mountain, decompress, disconnect Mm -hmm. from all the social media, everything else, and reconnect with people, and reconnect to people who understood us more than uh, the outside community. Instead of trying to fit that, you know, round 
peg in a square hole or vice versa. We took the, the, the round peg and put it in a round hole. So we, we hung out with other people. And it was very... I'm trying to think of the right words. You know, it didn't solve everything. I don't want to mislead people, but you know what? It it brought a lot of familiarity and uh, an understanding that you know I'm not a freak. I'm not uh, some sort of weirdo. That I'm a lot like a lot of these other men and women who've been done, doing this job for a long time, and that's what mm-hmm. they seem to have taken away from it as well. And that, in and of itself, combined with the decompressing of the natural area, the relaxing, getting away from sirens and all the outside noises and everything else, it was, it helped put things back in perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I and I added a little, I added an additional twist to it too, Jay, where I do rent the cabins when they're not in use uh, for trauma retreat. Actually, I rent them to first responders. So the idea is that and only first responders, the idea is that, that you can come in and rent and have a wonderful vacation with yourself or family, and then you're also turning around and giving back because the funds that I receive out of that go back into the trauma retreat. At this point, I'm not planning to seek um, nonprofit status only because I would rather have a little bit more control over it than the government does. Right. Um, and so it's essentially a what we call a social entrepreneurship where I actually have – the ability to do a little bit more with the funding rather than having to justify every dollar and cent. But at the same time, the um, the ability to also make decisions and as it evolves, if there are other things that I'd like to do, for instance, run education retreats for police commanders or first responder commanders who are interested in building wellness programs for their folks then I could also actually have them come in and do that as well. I highly encourage you to do that. It's, I, I'm not saying this is a negative, but so many of them tend to have forgotten what it's like on the streets the further they, they get them removed from it. Well, I, and, I, and I agree. And I think that there is the, the ability for them to come in and also enjoy the surroundings, but also have the be able to sit down in a focused, uh, focused working group and, and let's answer the hard questions about how do we turn the tide on this divide that often we see between commanders and patrol. Great idea. We're going to take a short break. We are talking with Tina Jekyll, and we are talking, we're going to be talking about what she does to help first responders. We're talking about her retreats, her cabins, and, and a lot of surprising things that she does to help first responders in her community. You're listening to Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677 get your free starter kit until 500 are gone you'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk largely tax-free and get 90 percent of the work done for you for pennies that's 800-956-0677 800-956-0677 again 800-956-0677 that's 800-956-0677 we all know that law enforcement 
First responders and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725, online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Rates based on a man age 42 with no tobacco use of any form for 20 years. Policy number 25. Policy underwritten by various life insurance companies. Premium includes a $50 policy fee. Rates and underwriting criteria subject to change at any time. Not available in some states. You've heard those term life insurance ads with their rates read very low. And at the end, they have a long disclaimer read extremely fast. Why? Because most people like us will never qualify for those rates. It's just a way to get you to call. Listen, at the term lifeline, we'll never quote you a low rate hoping you'll call. Then try to sell you something else. But we we do promise to get you the best rates available on policies of $500,000 or more with professional service. Don't waste your valuable time. Get the real rates you want on term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more from the Term Lifeline. Call now. 800 800-957-6068. 800-957-6068. That's 800-957-6068. Back to the conversation with Tina Jekyll on the Law Enforcement Today show. Before we get too far along, tell people where they can get more information about your retreats and the, the getaways and the cabins. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, at this point, I am um, the, the sole manager of this entire venture. So if they would like to, they can contact me, actually send an email to my uh, email address, my personal email address, and it's my first initial last name, uh, T-J-A-E-C-K-L-E at BellSouth, B-E-L-L-S-O-U-T-H dot net. In the meantime, I, my website is actually on par to be up in about a week. Okay. Uh, and that will be www.blueridgeheroeshaven, all one word, dot com. BlueRidgeHeroesHaven.com. I think it's yeah. a great idea, and I'm going to talk to Robert Greenberg, the rest of the folks at Law Enforcement Today, and see about the renting for second cops and cabins. And I just love that area. I've been telling my wife I got to take you up there. Helen, Ella J, Blue Ridge, it's phenomenal. So go whether you're a first responder or not. Be sure to check it out. It's wonderful. You're from the Florida, Northeast Florida area, and I know that you do a lot of things to help first responders. And I said earlier in our interview that you come from the academia world. That's not exactly 100% correct. You did a lot of teaching, but you are a a social worker. I am, I am a, so I've been a clinical social worker for about 25 years. I received my social work degree, my MSW from the University of Houston back in 1995. 
and uh, have been in the field on and off. But in 2000, I actually specialized in working with first responders, police, fire, uh, and military. And so in that, I became even uh, subspecialized in the crisis and trauma arena. So it's been almost 19 years, and I am very, very fortunate and blessed to work with countless agencies from uh, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. In fact, I'm their uh, lead employee assistance program counselor for the for JSO, and JSO has approximately 1,700 sworn on the street and about 650 corrections officers. So in addition to that, I oversee quite a few critical incident stress management teams, uh, including Putnam County Sheriff's Office, Jacksonville Beach Police Department, uh, working on something with Lake County Sheriff's Office, you name it. There are countless agencies I've had the blessing to work with. I had an opportunity back in about 2007 to 2010 in which I was an instructor, uh, visiting instructor at the FBI Academy at Quantico and taught for the National Academy. And so between that and all the experiences I've had, and I will, I will say this, I've also had the ability to watch this, this wonderful trajectory of going from really truly in 2000 not accepting this idea of mental health and law enforcement with first responders to now we now pass, as you are aware, this statute that says workers' comp is going to cover treatment for diagnosed PTSD in first responders. So is that in just in re- Florida or is that in uh, many states? No, that's actually that's actually it is it is in in more states than what we might believe. Right. We have some uh, have some legislation that has gone through in Georgia as well. Uh, and I believe it will just pick up as time goes on. Now there are always quirky things to work out with any kind of new new legislation, yes. but I think it, what it what it speaks volumes to is the acceptance of the awareness that first responders are struggling as well. And in in a lot of ways, we have to thank the military for that because we are behind law enforcement is behind the military in terms of acceptance of help and has been for uh, quite a while. And I'm never I'm never quite figured out why. I mean, I have my suspicions. Uh, I think a lot of has to do with finances and maybe the mm-hmm. old suck it up buttercup mentality that that I I policed in during the 80s and 90s uh, that. We are finally starting to cook with gas, as they say. And so this has been a long-standing problem. It's not a recent problem. It's been a long-term problem for many, many decades. And maybe they're being forced to do it, but I'm, I don't care why they are. I'm just glad they are starting to do this. Absolutely, and I and I think that you know I think that the tide is also turning in terms of the public and community. Although that there's there's still a sense that. There's a great deal of animosity and negativity against law enforcement in our society. The fact of the matter is those are the vocal minority uh-huh. versus the, the, the majority who do support and respect our law enforcement. In fact, today, this is exciting to see today, there's a program out in Colorado called Shield 616. I've, I've been and talking with them for a while trying to get them today, on a show. They're phenomenal people. I, Absolutely, and I'm actually in discussions with them right now about coming on as their trauma expert. Excellent. Um, and they actually received a a donation today, support from the Denver Broncos and Vaughn Miller for two hundred thousand dollars. That's amazing. Yeah, it is, and it's uh, so. And I'm that goes and contrary to the whole NFL being anti law enforcement. 
vibe that we hear from everybody. There are so many players in the NFL, Major League Baseball. Uh, like you said, they're, they're the silent majority that actually support the good work that these men and women do every day. Uh, our first responders are law enforcement or corrections, dispatchers, EMT, EMS, firefighters, and veterans. They are, they are supported and they are appreciated. You are absolutely correct. And I, and I think we lose sight of that because obviously the media has the negative spin. And, you know, I have the opportunity, I've been given the opportunity to train uh, recruits for the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. So what we've done in that program and in the EAP program that we've set up is I actually, it's almost like this idea of cradle to, cradle to grave. We come, I come in on the front end and I teach all of the recruits about these issues and what they potentially will face in their career. And essentially, when they get out there, they now know in the back of their mind that they have somebody to turn to. Right. And, and that there's things they can do to manage all this traumatic stress. It's not going to go away, but they, they can do things to manage the effect it has on them. That is correct. That is correct. So then they could go through. And, of course, um, then I, I, I teach throughout the nation. I also teach for the Department of Justice and uh, BJA program and what we call the Valor program in the Survive and Thrive curriculum. And uh, we're trying to get it out there. There's a There's a group of us as well as just some fantastic people doing the same type of work that I do every day and I I just couldn't be more grateful for their work as well. It was very much appreciated and I don't know that too many people are, are, are saying thank you to organizations and people like you that, that, that put it out there to try to actually save lives of, of first responders. The people that are tasked with saving lives of our community members, uh, they're at risk. And, and we have a huge suicide problem. We have a right. huge PTSD problem with our first responders. I've read surveys and research that said they estimated that about 30%, and I think it's more, of first responders and law enforcement in particular are walking around with PTSD and they're still in a job. And that's not counting retirees. And it's not counting people who left the job voluntarily or involuntarily. That is correct. You are spot on with that. And, you know, I, I think that there are some organizations that are doing very good work in attempting to gather more valid or correct statistics on police suicide. However, it's always going to be a bit difficult to ever get true validity because until departments and, frankly, police supervisors step up and say, we need to approach the, the white elephant in the room, correctly it, it's hard to to see every single suicide and to be able to note it as part of the statistics i was just reading about uh, another one uh, recently just occurred in my home state and it was uh they, they actually had a memorial for the officer who committed suicide he was a long-term veteran uh, of this agency he was well known in the community he was well known in downtown and the people actually rallied to, to say thank you and all of them are shocked that uh, he took his life. That's a, a conversation that could go on and have an entire show or 30 episodes. Uh, and we're going to take a short break. I promise you we're going to get right back our conversation with Tina Jekyll. Uh, we're going to talk more about what she does for first responders, counseling, PTSD, treatment, how to prevent these things from happening, and, of course, her uh, retreats and uh, for first responders. We're listening to Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
rates based on a man age 42 with no tobacco use of any form for 20 years. Policy number 25. Policy underwritten by various life insurance companies. Premium includes a $50 policy fee. Rates and underwriting criteria subject to change at any time. Not available in some states. You've heard those term life insurance ads with their rates read very low. And at the end, they have a long disclaimer read extremely fast. Why? Because most people like us will never qualify for those rates. It's just a way to get you to call. Listen, at the term lifeline, we'll never quote you a low rate hoping you'll call. Then try to sell you something else. But we do promise to get you the best rates available on policies of $500,000 or more with professional service. Don't waste your valuable time. Get the real rates you want on term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more from the term lifeline. Call now. 800-957-6068. That's 800-957-6068. There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. (laughs) Ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly, we now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's a new page. Be sure to click like when you get there and follow. In addition, we have our main page, which is Law Enforcement Today. So do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well. Returning to the Law Enforcement Today show, I'm John J. Wiley, joined by Tina Jekyll. Uh, Tina, it's so good to have you on the phone. Thank you. And I'm just thrilled. And I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of like uh, awestruck because, yeah, I've been following you on Facebook. I haven't been stalking you, but I've been following you on Facebook. <laughs> and I see all the things you're doing. And I also, we've had some correspondences and we were trying to do an interview earlier, but you got called out for a critical incident thing uh, that... It's been very, very difficult to make this happen. Uh, And I do want to talk about just that one term right there. Back in the 1980s, when I was a rookie police in the early 90s, they didn't have terms like critical incident stress. They didn't have CISM teams. We started talking about peer support and having some debriefings in, in the late 80s. But before that, and even up to that point, like one of my last shootings I was involved in my major said to me he goes go have a couple beers with the guys and decompress Mm -hmm. and that's how we handled everything you went out you drank on a parking lot freezing in the middle of winter and hanging out with the guys and I'm not going to say it was all negative it did help to some degree but that's not the healthiest way to deal with these things that's correct sure And I'm sure you've seen that the self-medicating with alcohol becomes so prevalent for our first responders. It is, and sadly so. I I do still see some of that. However, if if an agency embraces the idea, true idea of a critical incident stress management team for their officers, it can work absolutely amazing. I have, I have, and I chuckle about this because they're more of a rural county team than anything, but Putnam County Sheriff's Office uh, actually is one of what I would call one of my best practices teams 
they will call me within an hour or two of a critical incident, whether it's a police officer shooting, officer-involved shooting, or um, some type of child death, and basically get me involved very closely on the front end to where we can make sure that we are educating the folks and providing support to the folks that were in that position. And the feedback has been phenomenal because it, it spreads, you know, and becomes a positive wave. But, again, the, the, it starts It's a top-down program. The, the leadership has to support it, has to show that there is acceptance, that um, this is not – it shouldn't be something that's just accepted every single day and suck it up buttercup. Yeah. Now, that is a, that's a very, as you know, and you've spoken on this, it's – it's a very destructive way of looking at things. Now, having said that, not every officer is going to be impacted the same way. No. Um, and that's, know, the, that's one of the weird things about it because, and I don't want to say this is negative, but as, as law enforcement officers, we oftentimes are more critical of each other than people on the outside. No question. Be like, no hey, question. I was there. I was fine. I don't see what Joe's problem is. He should be back to work the next day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, I know you've had other people on the show that have probably addressed some of this in terms of how devastating and difficult the the process following a shooting can be psychologically and emotionally to an officer because the investigative portion of it that has to be done by, by a police department or agency is in particularly in internals or grand juries or that's where that's where officers actually struggle the most. The it's, media it's makes them one out of the to be worst bad guys. things I ever had to go through was being in front of a grand jury. Absolutely. And and I was you know at least in my mind perceived as the bad guy. And you dedicate your whole life to, to be on the right side, doing the good things, doing the best you can, and all of a sudden, due to circumstances beyond your control, you're. And you ain't have to shoot anybody. All of a sudden, you're you're there, and the spotlight's on you. And you you got to say, I got to plead the fifth, and that makes you feel horrible. Absolutely, absolutely. It's difficult to to be to reconcile in your brain, and and a lot of folks struggle with that. In fact, it's one of the only only fields, if not the only field, in which an individual is is taught how to use a weapon. Uh, trained extensively in it through academy training, put out on the street, expected to use it and utilize deadly force as needed, and then turn around and become essentially a de facto murder suspect in an investigation. Well, that's the reality. Is when when it, an officer does have to shoot someone, and Absolutely. let's just say the person dies. You know, in Baltimore, you have a, a murder report, crimes against persons report. The suspect is the police officer. And the victim is the guy who's killed. It, it, it could, he could have robbed 15 banks and murdered 37 people. It doesn't matter. He's still the victim. And until yeah. it's ruled to be justifiable, that officer is a homicide suspect. Correct. And Correct. that's a bitter pill to swallow after going through all of that. You know, and I don't want to mislead people thinking it's just officer-involved shootings that's a problem. Uh, I'm sure you've encountered many people. There's so many traumas you deal with. I think I've read and I suspect that the multitudes of all the traumas, all the violence, all the death, uh, the, the violence against children, against spouses being murdered, that stuff takes a deeper, heavier toll on that person's psyche, that first responder's psyche over a period of time. That is correct. And in fact, you know, we spend, we do spend a great deal of time highlighting this idea of critical incident stress that are, that's all related around 
shootings or line of duty deaths or uh, children's deaths, etc. But the fact of the matter is, what is an even greater killer, per se, of officers these days is this idea of cumulative stress. Yeah. And over the years, and, and I use this analogy when I teach officers, but essentially we all have a trash can, we all have a wastebasket, and with each thing, each traumatic or even, even mildly traumatic, something that may be traumatic to you but not to me and vice versa, we essentially shove it into what I call our wastebasket and we don't deal with it. Well, over time, you know, it may be that we're having stress in our life, going through personal relationship problems, frustrations, etc. And that may be the moment that that trash can overflows and we take it out on everybody else. And then we start to see, you know, issues with work for officers where they're they're not showing up or they're showing up late or they're unkempt or their uniform is dirty. I mean, any and all of those things where we start to see the overflow. So one of the things I highly recommend, and I use the analogy again in training, is we have to figure out a better way to empty that trash can on a consistent basis. Because God forbid we get down, you know get down and you have this amazing long career, and then when you retire, you not only lose the camaraderie with your colleagues, you lose structure, and then you begin to lose yourself. And oftentimes that's the last coping skill or mechanism that that person has, and they wind up retired all alone, and their marriage is in trouble, or it, it dissolved a long time ago. They don't get to see their yes. kids. They're drinking too much, and there's a, a handgun readily available. Yes, and it just it doesn't it's it's an ugly picture, you know. And I don't quite understand, uh, and we'll talk about as we come back from break. I don't quite understand, and maybe it's a Hollywood thing, maybe it's a news media thing, but I haven't quite understood why society as a whole views when an officer gets like that. When I say an officer, a firefighter, corrections officer, dispatcher, police mm-hmm. officer, whatever, gets like that, and they're they're viewed as a bad guy it's a very negative connotation and it's like oh it's a stereotypical hollywood you know he's an irish catholic knockdown drag out drunk cop who's divorced and has uh, two child support payments and alimony to, to two wives yeah, that's yeah, unfortunately you're right. That is a very stereotypical way of looking at things, and we get that a lot. And it's an image that is uh, is like bombarded uh, into our brains constantly. And you can't watch a television show about policing without seeing it. You can't watch a movie without seeing it. And it's the furthest thing from the truth. I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen this. I've seen officers who had stellar careers that mm-hmm. were highly decorated, that were well thought of, that did phenomenal, and then within a matter of months, after 10, 11, 12, 13 years on the job, they start to self-destruct. That's correct. We're gonna take a short correct. break. We're talking with Tina Jekyll, you listen to Law Enforcement. Today's show, we'll be right back. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, You're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 
That's 800-948-6817. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit adoptuskids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Back to our conversation with Tina Jekyll on the Law Enforcement Today show. Tina is, and I'll let her explain to you, because I I don't want to use the wrong terminology. She is a social worker. She's worked extensively with first responders. Uh, She has a retreat for first responders. She teaches first responders. Uh, She gets them uh, in a way that many other people don't. When we left, we went to the break. One of the things that we talked about is an officer that had a stellar record been on the job 10, 11, 12, 13 years, and then they start to self-destruct. And for example, all of a sudden, they're getting discourtesy complaints up the, the wazoo. They're yelling at people. They're screaming. They can't keep their, their cool about them. Their, their temper's going left and right. Uh, they're getting into trouble. They're not showing up on time. They're missing court. And unfortunately, what winds up happening is they get caught in some sort of jackpot and they're fired. Yes, that's, that's correct. And unfortunately... We catch, you know, the police culture and police organizations and and all first responder organizations, in a sense, are very reactive instead of proactive. So likely in that type of scenario, an officer had been struggling for some time, yet there may not have been resources or the ability to uh, seek assistance in which they feel comfortable reaching out to. So a lot of times, and I use again, I use that analogy: the the, the wastebasket overflows. So those are those are typically, from my perspective as a mental health professional, those are symptoms of a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more likely cumulative stress over time, uh, not having a a healthy outlet to put these emotions and and fears. And yeah, absolutely, because of the public scrutiny, uh, an officer in that position will be seen as a bad guy. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I, I speak a great deal and teach a great deal on this idea of roles. We have all these roles we play in our lives. And the more an officer actually identifies solely with the, with the role of being a police officer, typically the more as they move towards retirement, they're going to struggle more because that retirement requires, as you are aware, requires you to kind of step back into that life of now I'm I'm a more husband again or dad again or brother or so forth. And it's very difficult when you've been socialized into one identity for about 25 years. It is. And it's it, the, the adrenaline rush is gone. Uh, the, the, the thrill, for lack of better words, is gone. The feeling of self-worth and this is, this is how I contribute is gone, especially for officers uh, that 
our careers are cut short due to injuries that you know one day you're on the job you get a you get to a call for service or a car stop that goes bad and next thing you know your career's over yes indeed and and, and everything changes not just not just the emotional part financial everything changes and all of a sudden you're like now who am I and what I want to be when I grow up and it's it's not easy when you're in your 30s to do that so I, I find it very difficult when people say they, they struggle with that I can understand and, and I yeah absolutely and I agree in fact I, I believe that's an area in which agencies need to do much much more in terms of not only number one preparing their officers better for retirement through educational programs but post retirement not just shutting them out, and once they walk out the door, they no longer belong to the group. Yeah, well, I've and, heard so many retirees go, 10 minutes after retired, I was not, not relevant anymore, and I was yes. totally out of the loop. Yes, and then we wonder why they, they potentially turn to alcohol and suicide. Yeah, and i, I got to say this. I'm not going to do a self-confession here, but there are even times today, and I retired a long time ago at the ripe old age of 33, that I sometimes wonder if... People even remember, you know, people that I worked with remember. Your mind starts to play games with you. And I know that's just what I call stinking thinking. It's nothing, it's not real. And I try, when I think like that, I try to get busy doing something else. Mm -hmm. Well, and you bring up a good point about the busy aspect of it. Because when you are busy in a law enforcement career, especially, you know, you rely on that structure, you rely on those, those, those shifts, you rely on everything goes by very quickly and then when you are no longer doing that anymore then the demons can come forth in your brain oh yeah idle um, time i don't want they say idle hands is the the devil's handiwork or something like that i don't know what the term is yes. but the the more time i spend thinking the worse it is absolutely and i've had many many retired officers you know in my office talking about that that you know that's that's when it really really truly gets hard because they've slowed down yep. they begin to review their life and their experiences and some of those things you just simply you can't unsee the things you've seen no you can't and uh, I, I do want to say this too for the the benefit of those who are struggling because we don't say this enough that there are dark times for many many first responders uh during their career after their careers, but it gets better. And one of the things that we were always taught in the academy and service every year, you know, if you're in a bad situation, you're on the street, I don't care if you're a firefighter and it's a bad fire scene or whatever it might be, if you're a police officer and, and you've got a guy attacking you and he's like six inches taller than you and 100 pounds heavier and he's a black belt in Taekwondo and he's really handing it to you, you can't give up. you got to stay in a fight because backup's around the corner. So when someone is struggling with these this, these, this cumulative stress and the after effects, you can't give up. It gets better. It gets so much better that's correct it does and in 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 the darkest hours there are people out here that can help and that's where and i absolutely and i think that you know i think it's important to understand that it takes more courage to reach out for help than otherwise how do we get people to do that well i think we have to have more resources in place as i as uh, you know there are clinicians and mental health professionals out there that that are trained like i am and in fact my hope is um in 2019 is to offer workshops to to clinicians and mental health professionals who have trauma background but to teach them specifically 
about what the police culture needs, what first responders need. And, you know, I've had the benefit of, of 19 years. I, I can go out and do any, do any number of ride-alongs with any agency, uh, and I do that frequently to make sure that I'm still in touch with what they're dealing with out there. Uh-huh. But it's, I, I think there are resources, but agencies have to highlight it, support it, and again, it has to be a top-down program. You know, what we're doing at the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office is really a best practices model. I not only get out there with the recruits, I'm educating consistently. Um, I have, you know, my own office. They call me directly. Um, and in fact, the, the city of Jacksonville and JSO set aside money in order for people to come see me. There's no limits on the number of visits. I don't have anything to do with fitness for duty evaluations. I am simply there for support and counseling. So they they are able to call me directly and build that working relationship with me, and that way you know they can come and it's 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 they're not mandated etc. So someone can pick up the phone and call me and they can do that twenty four seven. It's good to be proactive, and I'm I'm so glad you are doing this. Uh, I want to close out with how people can get more information about your your retreats, the cabins, and uh, I for one would love to do that. Absolutely. I'd love to have you. If, if you would like, um, you can send me an email again. My email address is tjakel. It's T-J-A-E-C-K-L-E at bellsouth.net. I also, uh, you can also look me up on Facebook. It's under Tina Jakel, who has Doc in parentheses. And I also have uh, Blue Ridge Chairs Haven page on my page, connected to my page on Facebook. And our website will be up um, probably within the next week or so uh, at com. Tina Jekyll, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today's show. We will have you back again in the future, I promise. Thank you so much for having me. Keep up the, keep up the great work. Be safe and know how much I appreciate each and every one of you. One of the questions I get all the time, especially when we're talking to other radio stations about adding a Law Enforcement Today radio show to their lineup. What is your show all about? And it's not what most people would think. It's not confrontational. You know how Investigation Discovery Channel has all these shows about investigations and people have a curiosity about police. Well, we feature police officers, law enforcement officers, active, retired, spouses, family members, and supporters talking about their experiences from their point of view. If you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a great guest but you know doesn't want to say, uh, I don't want to seek attention myself, we'd love to hear from them. And we'd accommodate them from anywhere. It doesn't matter where they are. We can uh, record them here at our studios. Yeah. So just contact us. The easiest way is go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, the contact us tab. Send an email to me, j at lawenforcementtoday.com or robert at lawenforcementtoday.com. You can also send uh, message via Facebook. We're all over this thing called the World Wide Web, Instagram, and all that stuff, too. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Mm-hmm.